0: Many, many years ago when I was in school in biology, we did an experiment. The experiment was that you took a trash can lid and you took it out on the open grass. Obviously, it wasn't winter like it is now. It was spring or summer. And you laid the lid on the grass for about a week. And then you came back to remove the lid and see what was underneath Well, the grass where the lid had been had turned white. There were worms everywhere and insects and the smell of decay. And the point of the experiment then was you removed the lid to see how long it would take for that turf area to regenerate, to come back to the way it had been. I want you to think about that lid today, put on that grass where it killed everything, caused decay and destruction like our sin, like David's sin. That it's laid upon the grass and where it is the grass has no power to remove it. You see that's David's condition as we come into the psalm tonight to the next installment to talk about being restored. I think it's important that we realize something in David's psalm. David at this point changes from his lament over his sin to what he fears because of the weight of his sin. Now, it's important also open your bulletins, look at those opening words of the confession that we had, those beginning verses of the psalm. Notice that David is somebody who takes full responsibility for his sin. He uses words like, My sin my iniquity, what I have done. He doesn't try at all to pass it off. He doesn't try to be like maybe somebody in our world, oh, it was just a brief lapse in judgment. It was an accident that happened. It was an oops. It was something that was just momentary. It's not My character as you've normally seen. David says this is his fault. We don't hear words out of David like we might have heard out of Eve. When God asked her why she took the fruit. Well, the serpent confused me, lied to me, and made me eat the fruit. Or Adam, when God asked him why he had broken the law. Well, the woman you gave me gave it to me and made me eat. Always passing the buck off. David is taking responsibility. David knows what he has done. David's sin is before him, and David is helpless and dead in his sin, just like that grass. David knows that he is before a holy God, a God who cannot tolerate sin, a God who punishes sin, a God by his own holiness would have to destroy David for it. Hear those words again from Isaiah tonight. For this is what the High and the Exalted One says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place. And there is David before the high and holy God. But David knew something about God. He starts his psalm out with what he does know about God. He says, be merciful to me according to your loving kindness. You see, David knows the second part of what we heard in Isaiah. But I am also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That word, be merciful to me, mercy is a Hebrew word that goes by the sound of chesed. It actually means undeserved favor. You know, undeserved favor is one of the terms that we use for grace. You see, David knows that God is a God who desires, as we've just heard, to be with the contrite and the lowly, to be somebody, to be merciful. David knows God's desire to forgive and to rescue him. God's desire has always been known throughout the Scriptures as one who would come to those who are in need. But it's one thing to know that God desires it. It's another thing to know if God has the power. You see, Jesus Christ coming to our world, being fully man, revealing to us who the Father was, revealing the heart of the Father, revealing, telling us that God's desire is to forgive is a wonderful thing to hear, but that would only make Jesus just a communicator of what God desires. Jesus needed also to be God eternal because he needed the other part of the desire. He needed the power to be able to forgive, and David knows that God has that power. The High and Holy One, the Lofty One, who dwells in heaven has That power, and so Jesus, as both God and man, can communicate to us the desire of God to forgive, but also has the power to forgive. David needed to know that. You see, David was a great worshiper of God. We know that David was a great worshiper. He was somebody who wrote those incredible psalms that we say in worship or that we sing in hymnody. Incredible verses like, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or clap your hands, all ye people, sing praise to God. But David also knew that he could not come to God and appeal to God's justice. Meaning that David couldn't come there and say, Look at my achievements as a worshiper. Look at my desire and all I've wanted to do, Lord, that I wanted to build a sanctuary, the ultimate place of worship for you. David can't rest on his laurels. He can't say, look at what I've done as a king. David can only rest on the compassion of God. The third thing that David knew, that God's desire was to fulfill, God had the power to forgive, and God was ultimately a God of compassion. Let's look at the words that David says in this next installment of the psalm. Let's say those together. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, David knew, like I said, that grass that he was destroyed he was helpless to change the situation. He knew the result of his sin, and he knew what could happen. And he needed God to have compassion, mercy, forgiveness, undeserved favor on him in order to restore him. There's a the little boy who did something wrong with his parents one night. It was not one of those infractions that's unforgivable, but it was pretty bad. He was in trouble. He was eight years old. His father came home, and sometimes, like we do his father, maybe our judgment's a little hard on the situation. The whole family knew what he had done wrong. And so the result was that he was sent upstairs early, way before his bedtime, without dinner. And the little boy was up at the top of the stairs sobbing as the father happened to walk by at the bottom of the stairs later on in the evening. He heard him and the father looked up to him and said, you know, there's no point in your crying. You did something wrong. You have to accept the punishment. The little boy responded, I'm not crying over what I did wrong, Daddy. I'm crying because I'm wondering. Is anybody going to come up and hug me and tuck me in tonight? I say that because that's where David is in this psalm. He's put his lament out there. He said what he has done wrong. He has appealed to God. What David is afraid of is God. Will you leave me alone? Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. How often in our sin don't we wonder, will God leave us alone? Are we utterly and wretchedly lost in what we have done? Is there any way out? Is there any path back? And yet Jesus is the one who said to us, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is the one who said, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. Jesus, the one who communicated God's desire to forgive us and God had God's power to forgive us, told us that we would not be cut off forever, that we would be restored, that we would not be alone, that he would have fellowship with us even in our sin and even in David's sin. David longed for that restoration to come, to be restored to God's side, to be raised up again, to be in God's presence. And David knew the God who would eventually grant that for him, to restore him once again to his place as king, to his life of worship, to the words that he would speak before the holy God. God's desire for us always is to forgive. God has the power and demonstrated it in the cross of Jesus Christ that he has forgiven us. And God has the compassion to never leave us alone in our sin, but to rescue us again and again and again. Be merciful to me, God, according to your loving kindness. God's mercy is new every day. God runs to us with open arms, embraces us in our sin and our decay and our dirt, removes it from us so that we might be restored once again and grow in him. Will you pray with me? Jesus, what an incredible blessing it is that you will not leave us when we sin, that you come to us and embrace us that you have the power and have taken away our sin, that you want to see us restored once again, to lift us up with the power of your Spirit so that we might give you praise and worship. May our eyes always be fixed on your cross, the place where you took away that sin. And may our hearts always hear of the wonders you have done, the mercy you have shown us, and the compassion that you lay on us every day. All of this we ask in your name. Amen.